Father God, thank you so much that we get to meet in your house. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with us today. Um, I pray that, Lord, you would bless our summer camp, that the worship there would be pleasing to you, that we would learn more about you at the camp, that we'd have a safe trip up there. I pray that everybody that you want at that camp would be there. Uh, Be with Chet as he prepares our teaching. Uh, Be with the band as they get all the logistics in place. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that it would be a wonderful time uh, of celebrating you and celebrating one another. I also pray, Lord, that you bless our mission trip uh, as that is coming up. And uh, pray that it would just be a time where we get to uh, bless people and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, Be with me today and uh, my cold and sickness and help me to get through uh, teaching today. So the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So we've been going through the epistles, which are letters that were written, most of them by Paul. And Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy. And again, this is a letter that he's writing. Can anyone guess what the book of 2 Timothy or the letter of 2 Timothy, who was this written to? Anyone want to take a stab at it? Yes. Timothy, correct. It's why it's called Timothy. Uh, but it's not like a second Timothy. It's not like, you know, when you have a class, you have two mics in it, and you're like, Mike Q and Mike Z. It's not like that. Uh, it's the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. And in this uh, passage that we're going to be reading, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a mentee of Paul. And we're going to catch up here. Again, remember when Paul is writing this particular book or this particular letter, Paul is in prison. Paul is awaiting his likely execution, as he would be executed later, uh, and he is awaiting that execution. So let's read here uh, in verse 6 through 10. It says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas, everybody say Demas, has forsaken, everybody say forsaken, forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Pause there for a second. So Paul is writing this letter, and he thinks it might be one of the last letters that he writes as he knows that soon he's going to be executed and killed. And the only crime he committed was loving Jesus and sharing the gospel, the good news that Jesus died, rose again from death, and offers salvation to anybody who believes or asks forgiveness of their sins from from Jesus. So uh, Paul is about to die, and as he's writing to Timothy... He says, listen, uh, as I'm looking back on my life, I'm, I'm proud of the race that I ran. If, if my Christian walk or my Christian life was a race, I ran it well, and I'm proud of the work that I did. Or if it was a fight, I fought well. And it's as if my, my life, my very essence, as we've talked about before, uh, is like a drink that you pour out on the ground till every drop is spent for a purpose, and that purpose is Jesus Christ. Paul's looking back on his life, and he's proud of the work that he did. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of the work that you do at times. For example, you might be proud of the work that you did at school this year. You're like, I got all A's, and I'm proud of that. Or maybe you're like, I got a D minus in past math. I'm proud of that. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. If you worked hard, you should be proud of that grade if you passed the class. And I think there's a time where Paul's looking back on his life and he says, everything that I did, I'm proud of the work and the way that I live my life. 
And then he switches over and he starts talking to Timothy directly about what he wants him to do. Because again, this is a letter, remember? And he says, listen, be diligent to come to me quickly. He goes, hey, I'm writing to you. Uh, when you get this letter, come and see me. And the reason is because of this. It says in verse 10, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. So we hear this character, Demas. Everybody again, say Demas. We hear this character, Demas, and we hear about him two other times in the Bible. We hear about him once when Paul is writing a different letter earlier on. And he's writing and he goes, hey guys, um, I hope you enjoyed this letter. Uh, and then he says, I- I'm writing with my friend here, Demas, and myself and a couple other people. We all say hello to you. It's kind of like, you know, when you're on the phone with somebody and they're like, oh, tell so-and-so I said hello. And then you feel kind of awkward be like, hey, so-and-so says hello. And then like they say, oh, say hello back. And you're like, hello back? Like this is kind of weird to like be a transition. But anyway... Paul is writing and he goes, hey, Demas says hello. And we knew that Demas was a companion of Paul. Demas was a fellow Christian. Demas was somebody who worked with Paul, who believed in Jesus and very likely even preached about Jesus. He was a pastor, most likely. We hear another passage in uh, Colossians that, again, Demas was with Paul and with Luke at a time when he wrote a letter. But here we see the latest letter, the last letter that Paul would write before he dies. And in this, he says something different about Demas. He says, Demas has forsaken me. He has left me. He has abandoned me. And most likely, he abandoned the faith and walked away from God. And the reason that he walked away and forsook Paul and the Lord is because he loved the things of this world. And you hear that and you go, wow, how is it that Demas, this guy who loved God, this guy who followed hard after God, who was even a, a teacher at times and walked around with Paul, who was this uh, incredible Christian teacher, how is it that he stopped being a Christian and walked away from his faith in Jesus? How did this happen? Well, I, I want you to know that this isn't just something that happened a long time ago. This is something that still happens today. In fact, it's happening even right now at times. You see, people at times not only are becoming Christians constantly, but there are also people who are walking away from their Christian faith, who are renouncing their faith and saying, well, once I used to follow Jesus and be a Christian, but no more. I am no longer a Christian, and I don't want anything to do with God. And they are walking away from their faith in Jesus. And you hear that and you go, how do people get to that point where they quit on Jesus, where they quit their Christian faith? How do we get to that spot? And I want us to talk about a couple reasons why Demas possibly might have left the faith. And also to be cautious about ourselves, how we might guard against walking away from Jesus or walking away from our faith in the Lord. So the, the first reason that people quit or abandon Christ that we're going to talk about today. And one of the perhaps reasons that Demas left is Demas got beaten down. Everybody say beaten. Demas got beaten up, and that is why he quit. I remember uh, I I went to Loudoun County High School uh, just a couple years ago and uh, really enjoyed school there. But I showed up for football practice my junior year. And we had this coach named Coach Hill, and he had this really great mustache, and he was like a stereotypical coach, and he was really mean. Oh, I say mean. He was actually a really nice guy. But on the football field, you know, they're gruff, and they're kind of tough. And so Coach Hill meets all of our students that are trying out for the football team. And we had over 100 kids trying out. And he goes, we have too many people trying out for our team, so here's what we're going to do today. 
we're going to try and make some of you guys who aren't committed quit. And we're like, what? He goes, we're going to try and make you quit the football team on your first day of practice. And we're like, good luck, okay? I'm going to be a really cool football star one day, so good luck making me quit, coach. And he goes, all right, everybody line up. We're doing something called the gauntlet. Doesn't it just sound intimidating? The gauntlet. It just makes me kind of intimidated hearing it, and it makes me a little sweaty just thinking about how terrible it was. Because what he would do is he had these various stations with cones, and there was a coach at that station, and that coach at that station was uh, tasked with the goal of making your life miserable. So you'd go to one station, okay, and you'd get to your station, and the coach would just have a whistle. Just a whistle. Just a harmless little whistle. And you go, okay, guys, we're doing high knees. We have to kick your knees up and go up and down, up and down. You're like, this is easy, not a problem. And then he'd blow his little whistle. And you'd hit the ground, okay? So you'd jump down on the ground, you land, and do kind of a push-up, and then stand up, and you go back to doing high knees. <laughs> this is still pretty easy. Beep, beep. I wanted to break that whistle into pieces, okay? You do that for five minutes, and then there's a siren that hits. And it's like, and then the coach goes, all right, rotate to your next gauntlet station. So then you go to your next station. This station, you had to do push-ups with a partner. And you're like, I can do push-ups. This is easy. But what you did was, for five minutes, you would do a push-up, or you would do as many push-ups as you could. When you couldn't do any more, you tagged your partner. And then they did as many push-ups as they could do, and then they tagged you again. And you went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. By the end of five minutes, we had, like, some of our biggest, toughest, strongest linemen. And they were doing one push-up, and they're like, one. And then they tagged their partner. And then their partner would go, and then they tag them and they go back and forth and you literally did this until the coaches were satisfied or until you quit and you went from station to station to station and the first day we had a little bit under 20 guys quit on the first day of practice what you did was when you quit you turned in your helmet there was like a, a little I think it was like a I don't remember if it was a table or if it was on the ground but you had to put your helmet down and then you were done for the day and you call your parents and they pick you up and you wouldn't be on the football team anymore and you quit and the reason that you quit and the reason if I'm honest with myself and with you guys, that I wanted to quit football was because I got beaten up. And throughout the school year, I even considered quitting. I was this tall my junior year of high school, okay? But imagine me 70 pounds lighter, okay? Now, if you've ever watched football, um, on even the high school level or, like, professionally, those are big guys. I was no big guy, okay? I was just tall. It was like a twig blowing in the wind. And what they would love to do is to injure me and laugh at me and hurt me. And so I would go to practice, and I remember one game, actually. It was a JV game. I was so bad, boys, maybe you understand this. I was a senior, and I played for the JV team. Yeah, it's bad, okay? I was like, coach, I never get in the game. And he goes, well, you can play for JV. And I go, okay. So I'm like playing with like, you know, freshmen and sophomores as a senior. And they're still beating me up. But one game, I remember I was supposed to be blocking. And uh, there was this large individual on the other side of the line. And they go, good luck on the upcoming play, sir. And he goes, I'm going to eat you. He didn't say that. But okay, he gets down in the position. The play starts. And I'm supposed to keep my bad guy, okay, from tackling my quarterback who's got the football. So the whistle blows. He gets down, he picks me up by my pads, he grabs him, picks me off the ground, throws me into my quarterback. I knock my quarterback over because my like lifeless body is flinging into my own quarterback. He falls over and it was a sack. I don't know if I got the sack because it would be the only one I ever got. I don't know if it kind of was somebody else, but that's how terrible I was. And I'm on the ground and my quarterback's on the ground like, great job, Barrett. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and at certain points in the school year, I thought to myself, I should quit football. And the reason is because I got beat up. I got exhausted. And in the same way, we quit things when it's hard. When you're running, 
Maybe you're going for cross country and you're running. When do you stop running? When either you feel like, oh, I'm going to stop running. Or when your lungs are like, we are going to die. Stop running now. Your toes are bleeding, okay? And you literally can't do any more, so you quit. You stop because you can't endure it anymore. Well, sometimes as Christians, the same happens. See, Paul was in jail for being a Christian. And maybe Demas was tired of being made fun of for being a Christian. Maybe Demas was tired of being physically beaten up for being a Christian. Maybe Demas was exhausted from feeling alone. Because sometimes Christians leave the faith because they get beaten up, if you will. Either physically or not. Maybe they get mocked so many times that they're just too tired and they can't keep going. And, and the cost of continuing isn't worth the prize of following God. And we also have a time where people get so disillusioned because they have an expectation in their head. And when reality hits, they recognize how challenging it is to continue the race. When I started football, and I imagined in my head what it was like, I didn't imagine me getting thrown into my own quarterback and crying on the ground. That's not what I had in my mind. I imagined me with my hair flowing in my helmet. And I had the football, and I was like, oh, excuse me, sir. (laughs) Oh, pardon me, sir, hopping over people to score a touchdown, and all the people went, yay. That's what I envisioned, but when reality happened, and it was me on the ground crying and bloodied, then it was like, I don't think you know what I expected this to be like is happening, so maybe that's why I should quit. And maybe when you envision in your head what being a Christian was like before you were one, and you think, well, my life will be easier if I'm a Christian. Well, everybody will love me. I'll have a bunch of friends if I'm a Christian. Well, I'll, I'll never be sad if I'm a Christian. And then reality happens. And the truth is being a Christian is hard. It's hard. Following the teachings of Jesus, it's hard. Sometimes being a Christian is lonely. Sometimes following Jesus is a challenging step. And when that happens, sometimes people just give up. Because they're too beaten down, too discouraged that their expectations aren't met. Demas might have walked away because he was beaten. And Christians today might walk away because they're beaten down and exhausted and tired. Another reason Demas might have left the faith, or that Christians today even leave the faith, is because Demas might have got bored. Demas might have got bored. What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, Let's say, uh, ladies... Or let's say, gentlemen, that uh, you know you've been in a really serious relationship. Uh, maybe you have a, a dating relationship, and it's it's been pretty good. But the girl comes up to you one day, and she goes, "Hey, listen, I love dating you for the past twelve hours. They've been amazing. Okay, it's been a really great relationship we've had. There's some just amazing times. But I just I want to be honest with you. Okay, I don't feel the same way I felt about you before." I mean, it was 12 hours ago, there were butterflies in my stomach, and they were flying around, but the butterflies have died. There was, there was a spark to our relationship, but it's been extinguished, okay? There, there was a, a relationship that was beautiful, and now it's just time to let it go. Let it go. I'm not going to hold you back. You're not going to hold me back anymore, okay? I, I literally just, I, I think it's time that we, we break up. And the reason that that girl's breaking up with you is because she's saying, what? You're just kind of boring to me. You don't make me feel the way that I used to feel about you. And because I don't feel the way I want to feel, or because you don't have that spark of that excitement that I used to have, I'm just kind of bored with you, and I I think I'm going to quit dating you. I'm sorry. And you're heartbroken because those 12 hours have been 
kind of normal, actually, now that you think about it. And you look back and you're like, wow, he, she kind of just waved at me twice in lunch and she DM'd me once on Instagram. But that's kind of all we ever did. And then you get over it. But, you know, maybe, maybe you get this understanding that because something doesn't make you feel the way you want, you quit it. Or maybe you're reading a book and you're reading the book. And as you're reading it, you're like, this is so boring. Like, this is just so boring. I can't endure it any longer. And you just want to destroy the book because you want to start something new. And you quit because as you're reading the book or you're watching the TV show, you turn it off because it's just not interesting to you. And while it might have been at one time, you quit because it doesn't make you feel the same way or because you're just bored with it. You're just bored with it. The danger, ladies and gentlemen, is when we reach a place in our Christian lives where we don't feel the same way as we used to, And as a result, sometimes we are tempted to leave our faith because we don't feel the same way. Let me explain. Uh, Those of you who have been to camp, um, you might remember uh, just the excitement you feel about God at camp. You're doing worship, and there are these amazing worship leaders, and all your friends from your cabin are lined up, and they're all excited. Maybe it's the last day, and maybe like, some people are crying. I had a middle school girl come up to me uh, at one camp, and she came up, and she's like, I just love Jesus so much. And I'm like, why are you shaking? She goes, I'm so excited about God. And she literally is shaking uncontrollably because she's so excited about Jesus. And she's just like telling me, I can't wait to get home, and I'm going to listen to all worship songs, and I'm going to read all my Bible, and it's going to be great. And she's like, just so excited, which is a great thing. Nothing wrong with that. Be excited about God. And you're at camp and you have this spiritual high and you feel great and you feel like, man, I could take, I could beat up Satan with a toothbrush. I could take him down with my Sonicare. I could absolutely destroy him with a jelly belly right now. I could do it. What's a jelly belly? Jelly bean. That's what, why did I say jelly belly? I don't, why am I asking you? You don't know. All right, moving on. Sorry. I could beat up Satan with a jelly bean. I could absolutely take him down. And you have this like courage and the strength and you feel great. But then fast forward a couple months. It's summer. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while because your parents couldn't give you a ride. Or maybe you just kind of have grown distant from the people you were in your cabin with. But perhaps you don't feel the same way about God that you used to feel. You don't have that same emotional response. Or maybe you're reading the Bible and you're like, man, this is kind of boring. I don't really understand why this is important. And you're reading, and I'm just trying to be honest with you. What happens when you get to that place where you don't feel the same way? Were you only pursuing God because of the way he made you feel? Because he was interesting? Let me tell you something. I have uh, loved being married for three weeks. It has been so much fun. And um, let me tell you this. Oh, there's the picture. Okay. I didn't ask you to do that. Um, But here's the... See, now I get distracted. Way to go. She is so pretty. Uh, But yeah, I I love my wife so much. And... uh, Oh, she's right there. Hey, what's up, babe? Uh, And and so these first three weeks, it's been like, everybody's like, are you enjoying the glow? Because you're just glowing. You guys just love each other so much. You just glow. We go to a restaurant and we just glow. Uh, And it's just a wonderful experience to be so in love and so happy. But here's the truth, guys. While, while there will be ebbs and flows to our relationship, there will be times where we don't feel the same way. There might be times where Catherine looks at me and she goes, Barrett, I, I don't feel right now the butterflies that I felt 20 years ago. I still love you, but I don't feel the same way. But here's the beautiful thing about marriage, guys. We committed to love each other. And I don't just love Catherine because of the way she makes me feel, because that feeling might change. 
She might have made me feel like this butterflies. And I don't mean to say that in a bad way. I always love her and I always enjoy being with her. But we're not in a relationship just because of the way that person makes us feel. We're in a relationship. And we're committed to that relationship regardless of the way that they might make us feel at one time or another. Regardless of the way. Like, if Catherine just likes me because I'm so attractive and I'm so, you know, like in shape, what happens if I get old and then I get wrinkles and then I get a big stomach and then I don't know, like, what happens? Does she still love me even if I don't have big biceps? Like, babe, like, I, I, I want to know that, but here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. We're committed to each other, to love each other, regardless of how we make each other feel. The danger is in our religious uh, not our religious, sorry, our relationship with Jesus, if we don't feel the way we did in our youth when we first started being a Christian or maybe when we're at camp, are we going to keep pursuing God, keep getting to know Him, keep worshiping, keep reading our Bibles, even if we don't feel what we used to feel? Our relationship should be more than just a feeling. It should be deeper than that. Finally, um, another reason... Why Demas might have walked away or why other believers might walk away from their faith is that Demas might have been blinded or we as believers might get blinded. What I mean by blinded? I'm not talking about physically blinded because as we remember with Saul turning to Paul, being blinded was actually a great thing. It actually led him closer to Jesus. Remember, Paul, Saul got blinded, became a Christian, and then got his sight back. But sometimes we lose sight as to why we even started doing something in the first place. And when we forget why we're doing something in the first place, or, or maybe we don't understand fully, we don't understand fully the importance of what we're doing, we will quit it, and we won't do it anymore. Uh, who's ever been to the dentist, and they've told you at the dentist that you need to floss more? Anybody ever been? All right, cool. I was just curious. I hate flossing. I mean, I hate it. Okay? hate it so much. And every time I go to the dentist, they're like, you didn't floss, did you, Barrett? I'm like, no. And they're like, well, we're going to have to floss today. Okay. And they're like, you're gonna, your gums are going to bleed. And I'm like, I get angry about it. And I sit in the chair and they floss me. It's terrible. But every time I leave, they tell me, Barrett, you need to floss. Wasn't always the case. When I was a kid, I flossed like every day. And I remember my parents taught me to floss. And like, it's important to not get cavities. And so I, I flossed because I didn't want to get cavities. But after a while, I, I just didn't think it was important anymore. I didn't want to do it, and I hated it, and so I, I stopped flossing. I will tell you this on a side note. I never have had a cavity. Take that, dentist. I'm sorry. Mr. Strange is actually really cool. He's Dr. Strange. But anyway, his name is Dr. Strange, and that's actually my dentist's name, which is kind of cool. Anyway, moving on. Uh, but what I'm saying, not like the doctor, the Marvel character. Never mind. I'm moving on. Uh, but it was pretty interesting to see. The reason that I quit is because I didn't think it was important anymore, and I forgot why I flossed in the first place. Has there ever been something you've been doing and you don't even remember why you began in the first place and you just stopped doing it because you didn't realize why you were doing it? Maybe you've been in your room and you've been sitting uh, on your bed or more like you're laying on the ground and your feet are sticking straight up in the air and you have a Hot Wheels car and you're just spinning the wheels of the Hot Wheels car and your mom walks by with like maybe some like laundry and she walks by and goes, what are you doing? And you're like, I, um, I don't know. Why am I here? How did it, why am I spinning the wheels of this Hot Wheels car? Why am I sitting like this? This is not comfortable. And you literally don't remember why you were there in the first place, so you stopped doing it in the first place. You're, you're like, man, I just, I, I don't understand why it's important for me to keep, you know, working out or doing all my homework. So you quit it because you don't have that goal in mind. Or, or possibly you get distracted by other things that cause you to take your focus off of why you did it in the first place. 
Let me explain what this looks like for a Christian. Um, When a Christian starts taking their eyes off of Jesus and starts to become blinded to him, and they start focusing on the things of this world, or focusing on things that are not as important, they're taking their eyes off of Jesus, and they're being spiritually blinded to what Jesus would want them to do or how he would want them to live. And they're not prioritizing him as he should be prioritized. And as they do that, they start thinking to themselves, what? why am I even following Jesus in the first place? Why am I even here in the first place? They forget why they started the Christian race in the first place. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, guys. Um, I mentioned these three things, being beaten, being bored, being blinded. And uh, you hear all these, and you're like, all right, well, you know, why would you share these with me? They're kind of discouraging, to be honest, to hear about people leaving their faith or walking away from Jesus. Why, why are you sharing this with me, Bear? And, and here's the reason. Because um, every single class without fail that has ever graduated from middle school that I've been a part of, every single one, I've had some kids, and I've watched them grow, and it's a beautiful thing. They go from being little sixth graders, and they come in here, and they're like... Whoa, middle school. And they're like looking around to being an eighth grader who's like, middle school, can't wait to get to high school. And they, you know, grow a foot and some of the boys grow facial hair. And, uh, you know, they like grow a better beard than I do. And, and it's just so cool to see the way they grow, but not just physically, to watch the way that you girls and you guys grow spiritually is amazing. And yet, without fail, every eighth grade class that I've seen graduate and go to high school, kids that follow Jesus or went hard after him or were believers, I've seen somebody, at a minimum, walk away from being a Christian, give up their Christian faith, and no longer follow Jesus. And it breaks my heart. It, it breaks my heart to see uh, girls that I saw lifting their hands in worship who, who don't do that anymore. And, and guys that I saw even leading devotions at times not doing that anymore. And it, it breaks my heart. And, and the reason I want to share this message today about Demas is that I don't want any Demases in here. I don't. You might be saying, well, Barrett, I will never, ever leave Jesus. Well, well, here's what we need to be careful of, Okay. Satan does not attack you in a day. He doesn't just, you don't just wake up one day and Satan goes, stop being a Christian. <laughs> That's not what he does. What he does is he slowly works your mind. He slowly discourages you and gets you beaten down in your faith. He slowly begins to remove that feeling that you once felt. And then when you're not feeling it, he begins to whisper lies into your ears and he begins to get you focused on other things or blinded from Jesus and the truth of why you began running the race in the first place and you get distracted and he uses that to you slowly get to a point where one day you're like you know why did I ever start following Jesus in the first place and you walk away from your faith and you abandon and you forsake Jesus and your Christian walk it terrifies me because I love you but more than just me or any of these youth leaders in this room, God loves you. And it breaks his heart to see you leave him or not want a relationship with him. Breakups are hard because somebody's looking at you saying, I I don't want you anymore. I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore. And here's the beautiful thing. God will never break up with us. He's like, I am in with you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. But also... I won't force you into a relationship. 
Gentlemen, if, if a girl comes up to you and goes, Hi, um, I have these police officers, and they're demanding that you are going to be in a relationship with me. So I hope you enjoy being my boyfriend, because that's what you are now. That's not a relationship. That's a restraining order thing you need to work out. Okay, that's, that's a terrifying thing. That's not love. That's being forced into a relationship or into a marriage. But love is to look at somebody and say, I see what you are, and I choose you. Well, God gives you a choice. He gives you a choice. And that's what I want you guys to leave here today understanding. Guys, um, your parents cannot decide for you whether you're a Christian or not. I can't decide for you. You might be like, no, that's not the case, Barrett. Every single Sunday morning, my mom rolls into my bed. She grabs my ear. She drags me into the car, throws me in there, whether I have like all decent clothes or not. And I'm here every single Sunday. I have to be here at church. I have to be a Christian. Well, that's for a time. But there will come a time when you can drive yourselves. There will come a time when you'll get to college and nobody's going to be banging on your college room door to make sure that you go to church. There won't be summer camps to go to. There won't be parents that make sure you follow the Lord or not. It's going to be a choice you have to make on your own. You have to decide whether you want to follow Jesus and have a relationship with him or not. And I can't make that decision before you. And I, honestly, I don't want to make it for you. I know how beautiful it is to follow the Lord. And I want you to share in that, but I, I can't make it for you. You've got to make it for yourself. I promise you, if you're a Christian today, that you will have times where it's hard. You'll feel beaten. You might not feel the same way you felt, and you might get bored at times. You might be blinded to what the focus is and why you first began, but I please, I beg you, continue to follow the Lord. Do not allow Satan to stifle that relationship and move forward and put one foot in front of the other, even when you don't feel like it at times, even when you're exhausted, even when you don't think you can take any more. Please do not leave your faith in Jesus because this is the most important thing in your life, whether you see it or not. Whether you see it or not. I, I can just speak for myself. The reason that I, I began this Christian life is because I believe that there is a God and He loved me and I was shocked. I couldn't believe that there was a God and He loved me because I knew me and I knew I wasn't perfect. And yet He, he looked at me and he saw all that I was, and he still loved me. And he saw all that I'd done wrong, and he goes, I can fix that. I can forgive you. All you need to do is ask and follow me. And I remember that when I feel beaten down in my faith. And I remember that when I might feel bored or don't feel the same way I used to feel. Or I remember that when I'm being blinded to the priority that Jesus is. And it keeps me going. And I don't say that hopefully to be boastful. I, I say that to you to encourage you as Paul was. That Paul got to the end of his life and looked back and he goes, I ran this race hard and I'm proud of it. I fought this fight hard and I'm proud of it. And I kept the faith. I want you guys to keep the faith. And I want you to own your relationship with Jesus as your own. Not as your parents. Not as your youth pastors. But it is your relationship with Jesus. Know what that is. And never forsake the Lord. If you ever get to a time when you're in high school or college or beyond and you're struggling, please come talk to me or any of our youth leaders. We'd love to help 
will always be here for you. And I, I joke about you guys going to high school. Uh, but if you go to high school, please know I'm here for you. Pastor Tyler will be there for you. We want to help in any way you can. And there will be trying times. And there will be times where you feel like quitting. But keep moving forward. And know that God loves you dearly. Dearly. And there's no greater decision you can make than to follow the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us and that you made us. And Lord, we read this story about Demas and it breaks our heart to see somebody who loved the Lord to walk away from their Christian faith and to no longer be a Christian, to, to abandon the faith, Lord, and to abandon Paul. And I pray, Lord, for the students in this room. I pray, Lord, that we would not abandon our faith. Though at times we might be beaten or we might feel bored in our faith or might not feel the same way or though we might be blinded to the priority that you are, I, I pray that you would help us to continue to walk towards you every single day. Might we love you, God. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, guys.